The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us. It's going to be an all-Oaklawn show for the most part, at least as far as our guests are concerned. Vic Stauffer is the uh, voice of Oaklawn Park, and my fingers will be crossed that when they're coming down the stretch in the Arkansas Derby, he'll be giving out the horse I gave out last uh, two weeks ago. Long-range toddy gets up, and in the saddle will be none other than John Kenton Court, John, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Well, uh, I, I know I saw you last week at Keeneland. I believe you're back at Hot Springs now. Uh, this has got to be a, a pretty exciting uh, a land in the mount on, on a horse that uh, uh, has, uh, has solid derby points right now. Uh, he's 11th on the leaderboard and uh, certainly shows a fondness for Oaklawn and three starts, has never been off the board, and uh, you just rode a picture-perfect ride uh, in the first division, I believe it was, of the Rebel last week. Well, thank you very much. Yes, he, um, he secured his position in the Kentucky Derby, and we still yet have the springboard of the Arkansas Derby to... Uh, it, uh, give us the credits that we actually don't need to secure us, but there are those that do need those points. But uh, we're looking forward to Saturday. Absolutely. We're excited about it. Well, you know, John, looking looking back at your career, I know you're originally uh, from Gainesville, Florida, uh, and then you began riding in Colorado. Uh, but it just seems like there's certain tracks where all of a sudden you get a great niche uh, at. I mean, you've been the, the leading rider at, uh, you know, Oaklawn Park, Turfway Park, Kentucky Downs. Of course, many won't remember Birmingham race course. Uh, it seems like all of a sudden when you get in a groove, uh, you are in a groove, John Court. Well, thank you. Yeah, I love that when that comes into play. And uh, it's just it's just a, a incredibly great to be part of the game and, and be at this level at this stage of my career, and uh, I'm enjoying it, and I love it, and I'm uh, very gracious. Well, I remember, I know I had you on the air uh, when you got your 600th win at Ellis Park. Now, I have to be honest, uh, I'm not that far from it, but I have never been there. I hear it's kind of a unique place, it's cute, but I also hear that uh, uh, people from hell go there to cool off. (laughs) Yeah, that. Yeah, I understand what you say. It's it's a it gets very warm. Let's see, that's an understatement. It's hot there, but yeah, I've had a lot of years, successful years at Ellis Park, and I've always enjoyed going there. It's a different, totally different atmosphere. It's a uh, family oriented, and uh, not that majority of the venues are, but Ellis has its own unique atmosphere, and it's always a pleasure to ride there in the summer months. Well, uh, you as a jockey, you know, uh, it necessitates somewhat a nomadic life, uh, though you were able to, uh, to, to have a family. Uh, of the places you went to, what were, what were some of your favorites where you liked to ride? 
I tell you, there's just so many of them that stick out. It would be hard to distinguish. I've enjoyed many of the racetracks, but as you can obviously tell through my career, I've really enjoyed Kentucky and Oakland here in the great state of Arkansas has been uh, one of my favorites since I've had the bug. And I roll with the bug in Kentucky, too. So it's been great. And I've taken some baticles from this particular circuit and uh, dedicated uh, half a decade away, which occasionally I would frequently come back to ride certain races. But um, in my travels from the East Coast, from the West Coast, or the Midwest, should I say, not the East Coast, uh, I've really got so many places that I appreciate that it's hard to... Uh, pinpoint one as being the absolute favorite because they've all showed just uh, certain spots in my career that I greatly appreciated. Now, John, I, I also remember having you on the show uh, shortly after you were making a comeback from a fall where you hurt your hand. My people, a lot of people would say, "Well, he hurt his hand." I mean, you had a you had a yes. pretty serious injury there, though. I did get to shake your hand last week, and you're back to a hearty. Uh, 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 Tug, I could tell you that. So, uh, as far as injury-wise over your career, have you, have you been pretty lucky, or is there periods where you've had to take some time off? I'd like to say I was lucky on recovery. Um, I've had more than my fair share of injuries, but for some remarkable reason, I come back with uh, a, a sense of a healing of fortitude. And um, for whatever reason, my hand came back better than it originally was. It's stronger, and, and it was amazing. They worked it with it. It was reconstructed. It, um, but as far as the hand was, it was a traumatized injury that could have taken my career to the to the level where it was over, as a matter of fact. But um, my hand, and I've had a few injuries through my career that uh, were pretty devastating, but I've had a remarkable recovery, and I just thank God for that. Well, well, what one thing I, I I love about you, John, is you you just uh, you give off this aura of uh, of positivity. Um, whenever I see you or wherever I watch you interacting with 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 other people, and uh, it seems to me that the, you know this is something that helps keep people alive and happy, and uh, maybe brings you the blessings for when you do have to come back on the men. But I was reading one release from I believe it was Oaklawn Park where it said the last few years, and it referred to something called biohacking. Can you tell me what that is? Well, biohacking is just a DNA uh, pathway activation. And I learned that in 2014 from uh, Ramon Dominguez. And uh, I've always studied, tried to stay up on health and nutrition, which has been contributed to my longevity. So biohacking, I mean, I was like anyone else. I was like, I was skeptical. And I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But actually, it turned out to be true. I've got to the point where I don't take vitamins anymore. Um, I learned to biohack my DNA, and it felt like it gave me a new lease on life, which automatically increased the opportunity of my career to be extended. So um, with that being done and experienced, I'm actually a, a perfect specimen as far as I'm concerned, and I've been a uh, question on this before that uh, biohacking works. Now, is is it a process that you begin uh, during the day? Is it meditation? Is it yoga? Is it concentration? Is it diet? Walk me through it. 
Well, all of those are included, but it, it narrows down to really biohacking. It's just uh, changing your regimen. And it, it starts off with a supplement, like a nutraceutical. However, a nutraceutical is a vitamin. Then you have a pharmaceutical with a toxicity of, a, of, of, of anything that's pharmaceutical. Um, so uh, that would be toxicity. But a nutraceutical is vitamin. And the federal government came up with a, a new category with, bio, with, with the biohacking is nutrogenomic. And neutro being nutrients and genomic being with the DNA, the DNA gene. And when you learn how to stimulate the DNA gene, it, they have learned to create a pathway activation that reduces your oxidative stress, which is aging. So if you can reduce your aging process, you're going to find your life's changes in a, a variable of areas. And that's what I've learned to do, and it's been very effective. Well, like I said, it, it, it comes off uh, quite naturally in, in a great vibration uh, that, that, that you do give off, John. And let's face it, aging, aging is just a state of a calendar. And you, you can, it sounds to me like you, you choose not to uh, uh, live your life by a calendar, but, but, but how you physically and mentally uh, feel on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's great you mentioned that because I've heard on several occasions, well, I remember when I hit 50 and uh, uh, things along that line. And I was like, yeah, well, that's not me and that that could not be you. But everybody's different. I'm, I'm very well of that. But it's that the activator you take. And once I started that, I realized I felt better. My cognitive, everything went to a new level. I slept better when I was sleeping. And I physically, in the gym, I saw the increase. And, and injury, it, well, the first thing it targets, targets is inflammation. And I noticed that was down. And I've noticed that in, in this industry, you're go- it's not if you're going to get hurt, it's when. And I've had incidences throughout my career, and I, I, I know the process. For example, the toughest thing about being a jockey, I've coined the term of being rehabilitation is and i always get a surprise look rehabilitation is the toughest thing that you can experience in any kind of injury and that's the toughest thing is being about a jockey actually jockeys their career come to an end because they're they it's catastrophic but my point in telling you this is that um that with the nrf2 pathway activation of biohacking i have found that my body it not only seems to resist it, but has also the ability to recover like I've never experienced. And I love it. <laughs> well, it, it, it certainly shows, and it certainly showed in that uh, the, the last race aboard, uh, aboard uh, Long Range Toddy, um, when, when Vic Stauffer and I were handicapping the races, uh, uh, the Split Rebel and that big card that you guys had a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I... I, I brought up Long Range Toddy because it looked like every time he ran, he, he was learning a little bit more and was getting a little bit better. His buyer figures uh, have, had shown that. And then, oh, my God, I mean, uh, in, in the Rebel, uh, he took a huge jump in a speed figure. Not that you care about that, but he is a horse for course. He loves Oak Lawn Park, and I understand that you have a long standing relationship with uh, with. Uh, 
uh, Willis Horton, Horton. and that goes back quite a few years. So maybe you guys can get together and do it again. But just tell me about what it felt to be on Long Range Toddy and whether or not you thought you could actually do the improbable and catch the odds-on improbable. Well, it felt absolutely great to to be on Long Range Toddy and to be wearing the Horton silk with that family they've been good to me and i just really wanted to execute the perfect race that i could possibly execute for them and get them the rewards that they deserve for what they have contributed to this industry they have been uh, amazing uh, owners and supporters and they're arkansas based and, and i just love just the entire mindset that, that they've contributed to this industry so the opportunity for me to ride for them and get to the, the best results was the top thing on my my list. And and the fact that we executed or, or I executed that race, believe me, I was a little worried turning for home. But uh, I, I thought the fact the way it, it executed and it looked like a superb finish, that doesn't always happen. But that was just created to the excitement and the sense of uh, fulfillment in our accomplishment. And I uh, it, It's still you know, just really is exciting for me. Well, th- th- that, that's fantastic. Um, it, it resonates. Now, it th- still resonates. But I know we got another another race to go and then another. So, you know, I know I'm, I'm a guy that likes to look forward. A lot of people ask me about the archives of the past. And I, and I can remember some of it, but I don't dwell on it. I'm ready to move on to the next step. And I think that's how I approach my life, too. And uh, it's exciting lifestyle to live that way. Well, uh, you know, uh, you've got a lot of people in your corner. Uh, you've made so many friends over the years. Now, uh, the one one last thing I'll, I'll ask you, you John, because I, I know you're very busy, is that um, in the Rebel, um, you, you kind of broke sharp, and it just seemed like you settled on the rail, and then you, you, got, you had a nice rally four, four wide and just got up by a neck. Looks like on Saturday you're going to be drawn. You drew the outside post. Is that going to change uh, your mindset, or is it just a, a matter of fact that you hear so many times from jockeys that, well, you can't have a plan A or plan B because they can change instantly when the gate opens? That's exactly right. It can change, and nine times out of ten it will change. But uh, I'm going to uh, review the the race and. Uh, set up a strategy and have some targets to go. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. It's, it's hard to really explain too much, but um, as far as the Rebel went, um, it was executed well. But uh, this race is a new race, so I'll uh, basically compose a strategy and a plan B or whatever, and sometimes none of those come into play just as a rebel for that matter did, but, uh, and I can elaborate on that, but, um, yeah, I will go into that 11th post doesn't bother me in the least. Um, I'm, I'm confident with the stock and, and Steve Asmussen's done a su- superb job. One of the finest hall of fame trainers. I feel honored to ride for him. And, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of go from there and discuss it right to the point till they swing me over the leg, swing my leg over the horse. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very excited. I think well, you might look- be able to detect that in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to, uh, to to rooting you on. I promise I won't bet the horse, so you won't have your death knoll of oh, my don't money you, don't r- even riding say on that. your you back. Go ahead and you do it. Don't don't let that get in your way. 
<laughs> well, like I said, I've kind of been uh, touting toddy, and then when I saw you up on its back in that ride you gave in the Rebel, I'm like, man, this is the real deal. Um, you know, I just uh, I pray you have a great trip. Hope he continues to get points. Right now, John Long Rain Toddy is 11th on the leaderboard. So first, second, or third, yep. it looks like uh, you're going to Churchill Downs the first Saturday of May. That's great. We're excited about it. That's we're looking forward to do just that. All right, everybody. Well, we've been talking with John Court, Oaklawn Park. He's not going to rest on his laurels because he's riding half of the twelve race card. John, That's thanks right. a million. I'll be I'll be rooting right, for John. you, my friend. Take care. Thank you for the support. Thank you for everyone that's supporting us. All right, we've been talking with John Court, and he's going to be riding what right now is the second favorite in the Grade 1 Million Dollar Arkansas Derby on Saturday. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and look at some of the races uh, we handicapped last week in national news. And then we're going to be joined by the announcer of Oaklawn Park, Vic Stauff. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, that was fantastic. I'm telling you, if you've never had the pleasure of John Court, wait for him when he comes back from a race, shake to his his hand. Uh, He's outgoing. He's pleasant. And you you could just hear it come across uh, from the interview. He's just filled with positive energy, but he works at it. I'm going to try that biohacking and see if it can help me. Well, uh, we had a, an amazing uh, week last week. I want to thank all my friends uh, uh, down there at Keeneland. Uh, of course, uh, we, we had uh, 
uh, Amy Gregory on last week and got to see her up in the press box with uh, with uh, Amy Owens and Leanne Crosley and the whole crew up there. It was a great time. It, I must say it was nice to see a packed press box. They were covering mostly the bluegrass stakes, but there were a slew of stakes on the card. Um, and hopefully you've been following a lot of the writers uh that uh, that covered those races it was a great day an absolutely beautiful day spring has sprung in kentucky i can tell you that and uh boy couldn't have been hotter there javier castellano got named jockey's guild jockey of the week uh for the week uh and uh, he led all North American jockeys by number of wins, total, and stakes earnings. Uh, he started out with a win in the $100,000 Palisades Turf Sprint Stakes on opening day at Keeneland with Bulletin. Came back Friday to win the $150,000 Transylvania Stakes with Avis Flatter. And on Saturday, four wins, including the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes with Pacoma. He also won the $300,000 Grade 1 Madison Stakes with Spice Perfection and was uh, third in the Ashland Stakes with Jaywalk, which was a little bit of a head-scratcher. But uh, in his 17 starts last week, he won nine races for a win rate of 53%. This guy is just unbelievable. Uh, leading jockey by stakes earnings with 986-plus last week. And uh, he just keeps on winning and winning. Of course, Javier was the four-time Eclipse Award winner for Outstanding Jockey, and he has been inducted into the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame. All right, so I don't get too far behind with national news. Let's take a look at the races we covered last week uh, with my friend Tom Law. Again, uh, we kind of split it up between Aqueduct, Santa Anita, and Keeneland. Well, obviously, I let the cat out of the bag there, or should I say the colt. Vacoma was favored off three lifetime starts in the Toyota Bluegrass, a million dollars up for grabs, punches his ticket to the Derby, uh, just uh, you know, drew away uh, Javier Castellano again in the saddle by three and a half lengths. Second was win, win, win. Had a very troubled trip. Keep him on your list of horses to watch. Uh, he, Who knows what odds he might end up should he make it to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he was bumped and steadied and still got up for the second spot by a nose over Ken McPeak trained signalman who rallied very well with Brian Hernandez in the saddle. And I know is up there um, on the on the leaderboard. So uh, we got a feeling that we will see these rematching. Now, some like it hot brown, sad to say, uh, ran, ran a, a decent race, but they found out after the race that uh, the big brown colt uh, chipped a uh, rear ankle, I believe it was, uh, nothing that's career-ending or anything like that, but will require rest. And my buddy Harvey Diamond's not going to make it. At least he's not going to have a horse in the Kentucky Derby. I know Harvey will probably be there. I'm joining him in Louisville for a handicapping seminar earlier in the week. And the Central Park Ashland upset time, 52 to 1, out for a spin. Paco Lopez up. 
$106.20. He uh, pressed the pace for most of the race and got up by a neck over Kenny McPeak trained restless rider and Brian Hernandez. So they may well be going on to the Kentucky Oaks. Um, so restless rider who was, uh, Tom Wall's pick, uh, got the second spot. And then the third spot was last year's champion jaywalk, uh, for the second time this year, uh, does not win a race. Remember last year had a record of five starts, four wins and a second. And, uh, we'll just see if, uh, John service can figure out, uh, what exactly is going on with jaywalk then it was over to the east coast at aqueduct the wood memorial that i believe has launched 11 kentucky derby winners has now launched tacticus into the kentucky derby a gray son of tappet out of the multiple graded stakes winner close hatchet bill mott trains tacticus was bumped at the start clipped uh, on the first turn and still got through. By the way, this was uh, Tom Law's top pick, Tacticus uh, Jose Ortiz, who will be uh, uh, in the saddle. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I know he's he's alive on a couple of uh, contenders for the Kentucky Derby. In the second spot was Tax. Danny Gargan trainee that put in a huge speed figure in February in the Withers, uh, got through in the stretch and was second by two and three-quarter lengths. And third was the horse I picked back in the Gotham. It was High Cal, who again came from the back, this time rallied from eighth, uh, certainly could get a mile and a quarter if he does go into the Kentucky Derby. So that was the Wood Memorial, very important race on the Derby Trail. And for the ladies that are hopefully going to the uh, Oaks, it uh, looks like uh, Espresso Shot is going to continue her winning ways. She was certainly the horse for course at Aqueduct. All right, out at Santa Anita, sad to say, short field in the Santa Anita Oaks. And the winner there, Bella Fina. Man, she's something else. She went off at odds on one by five and a half. Again, a very, very uh, short field field and uh in the second spot was flor de la mar upsetting american pharaoh's little sister chasing yesterday kind of interesting they went from drayden van dyke to mike smith uh for, for that race so that again uh was the uh the, the san anita oaks and in the san anita derby it was the other baffert horse roadster who got the win, he uh, kind of rated nice, went three wide, got up by a half a length over game winner, his stablemate. In the third spot was Instagram, who led most of the way. Kind of fought back against game winner, but didn't get the job done. The derby picture continues 
to be muddled. Well, perhaps a man that can uh, shine some clarity on the Derby. Uh, if he wants to allude to some of those races, fine. If not, he's got a very, very uh, busy week uh, at Oaklawns uh, Park. He's got graded stakes races Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. None other than announcer and handicapper uh, Vic Stoffer. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me for the second time. I never had him on uh, until it was the day before St. Patrick's Day uh, when they had the split Rebel Stakes out there at Oaklawn Park. It was a real joy, and I asked him after the interview, would he mind coming back on? He said, no, sure, call me. And uh, once I got your number and you've got a big race coming, I'm not afraid afraid to call you. Vic Stauffer, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure. I love Love what you do over there. Well done. Well, th- thanks a lot. You know, um, you've pretty much been there, done that. Um, you started back in 1985 at, at Garden State Park in New Jersey. And I'm trying to think, who did you replace in that booth? I actually was only the backup announcer. Uh, when, when they reopened at, at Garden State, uh, Ralph Sirocco was the announcer, and, um, and I was his backup. And, uh, I was, I had never been the, the first string announcer at any track and they gave me a shot to be his, uh, his backup announcer. And then six weeks into that meet, uh, I was offered the full-time job as the main announcer at Detroit Racecourse. And, uh, 
that's where I got my first chance to, uh, to, to be the guy. I've known Ralph for many, many years. We've had some good times together. Uh, we used to uh, work uh, for Richie Ng. Uh, when he was in charge of Turfway Park, he'd bring us in to be the publicity team for what was then the Jim Beam Stakes. So uh, Ralph and I had some some good times uh, back in the day. Now, you know, one thing I don't think we talked about um, in our last interview was the fact that at one time you were Joel Rosario's agent. I was. Uh, over the years, I have uh, I've actually been an agent for lots of riders, but never at that level. And uh, when Joel first came to the United States, he landed in San Francisco. And uh, I had his book up there. And uh, when he moved down south, Vinny DeGregory took over for him. And it wasn't actually going all that well. He had uh, he had started a Hollywood Park meet, and he was 8 for 130. And uh, he was looking to make a change. And so we went out and had dinner one night, and we were going to decide who should be his next agent. And about 45 minutes into the dinner, he said, well, what about you? And I said, you know, I've, <laughs> I've never thought of it to, to, to do it down here because I was calling the races at Hollywood Park. Um, but it sounded like a pretty good idea. Uh, I had to get uh, permission and the good graces of the man that was running Hollywood Park at that time, Jack Lebow, and he was very gracious and, and uh, very nice to allow me to do it. And so uh, I took over Joel, and uh, boy, we started, we hit the ground running, and and uh, did really terrific together. I had him for 28 months, and uh, after Joel, I picked up Martin Garcia, and after Martin Garcia, I picked up Tyler Bays. And so uh, I've been very, very blessed to have some great riders, and uh, it's no surprise that Joel now is considered synonymous with the great race riders in the world. Um, he made a very smart move to, to uh, shift his tack to New York and hire Ron Anderson, which he did after the 2010 Del Mar meeting, and uh, since then, just looking what he's done. He's won a Dubai races in Dubai. He's won a Kentucky Derby. He's won multiple Breeders' Cup races, and uh, um, it's it's no surprise he's a truly great race rider. That's a great story. You you've lived a uh, a well-rounded and interesting life, Vic Stoffer. Well, and of course, one of them is uh, I, I know that you're not afraid to uh, uh, take a pen to some past performances and uh, and compete in some handicapping contests. Yeah, um, actually, uh, another job that I've done is 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 to be a California State Steward, and uh, I did that for eight <laughs> years. After I uh, I split up with Tyler Bays, and when I wanted to get back into gambling, you can't do both of those jobs. You can't be a steward and also wager on horses. And so right. I stopped being a steward and started playing the tournament circuit, and uh, and that has gone really terrifically. I've I've won several major major tournaments and uh, been in a position to win the Breeders' Cup tournament two years in a row. Where had wow. the horse I had hung on and won, I not only would have won the tournament, but a million-dollar bonus. Two years in a row. California Chrome was in front turning for home, and Arrowgate ran him down and cost me a million. And then the very next year, Collected had a chance to get by Gunrunner at the top of the stretch, and he finished second, and I had a million-dollar bonus sitting on those. So twice in back-to-back years, I was alive for all of the money, but finished second. But they were good showings anyway. Oh, Vic, you're breaking my heart, man. I was like, oh, geez. The closest I ever came to that was uh, alive in the pick six at the Breeders' Cup, and there's no way I can lose it because the horse I had in the last leg singled was a horse by the name of Cigar. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I can't lose that bet, oh, right? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, they all get beat, but uh, that was a, that's a pretty darn good position to be in. Uh, uh, yeah, every time I go down to Old Friend's Farm, I look over the paddock and uh, I, I see alphabet soup, and it's like, I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> yeah. What can yeah, I was, say? Uh, that, was a, that was the year that they switched and ran up at Woodbine, and you have to wonder, had, had they stayed where they intended to run, um, maybe Cigar might have been able to turn the tables. But uh, I was happy for Alphabet Soup, too, because that was Chris McCarron and David Hoffman's and such good friends and nice men. And uh, so sorry you didn't hit it, but uh, he was a fun winner. Big gray ghost coming <laughs> through the center of the racetrack. Absolutely. And I can uh, be blessed to say that uh, Chris is now a friend of mine. It, it's fun if you stay in this game long enough. Um, people that used to be your idols end up being your friends. I mean, I, I had dinner with Steve Cawthon a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's like, what are you kidding me? He, he, I idolized the kid, even though I was older than him, uh, watching his career take off. But uh, now we've got to talk about your career because it's going to be a busy one. Now, I know I asked you to handicap the races for Saturday, but I'm sure you're prepped uh, for the other races. And let's face it, uh, the, the fantasy uh, is, is going to be a big one because there's several horses in there uh, that are knocking on the door uh, to get in the Oaks. Uh, at the top spot is Oxy Lady. She's number 21 right now. At number 24 is Motion of Motion, who may be the favorite. And then uh, you've got uh, Aura Moore who's sitting at uh, seat number 28, but obviously anybody else could punch their ticket in the fantasy. Um, a lot of speed in here. Uh, how do you see this race setting up and is motion a motion, the one to catch? She might be um, because Tom Van Berg, who trains motion emotion, was quoted today as saying that if somebody else really wants the lead and they very well could, because there is sprint speed in this race, that he believes now that motion emotion can sit and finish. And if he's right, then she definitely is the horse to beat. She's been pretty one-dimensional to this point. And uh, they, he said they've been training her very, very distinctly with the, with the prospect that she eventually is going to start facing horses that are not only going to try to make the lead, but they're going to try to pressure her and run her into the ground. And so if they do that, Mike Smith has been instructed by Tom Babberg, don't worry, she'll sit and finish for you. And so it'll be interesting to see if that happens. I, I think it will. Uh, you know, you have horses that are just crazy fast. I mean, a horse like Kiffel, is, is, he's not, she's not going to win, but she, she's got 22, 46 and change speed. And, uh, and I would expect that they'll probably send her out of there. Brill comes out of, of a, a sprint race, and um, she's only run two turns once in her life. And so... I think the question mark, the big question mark for the fantasy is, will Motion Emotion sit and finish? If she does, she's probably the right horse. It's going to be a very interesting race uh, to watch to see if it uh, uh, turns into a, uh, shall we say, a, a, a jockey's game there. Um, but uh, just to point out some other, the horse I talked, I mentioned uh, Oxy Lady. Boy, she's not afraid to travel. I mean, <laughs> this horse started in Indiana, broke her maiden at Belterra Park, and ends up winning a grade three uh, at, at Aqueduct, uh, and uh takes her break, comes back to the fairgrounds, then ships back to Aqueduct, and just gets beaten the busher. She's a, a very interesting uh, filly. 
She's a terrific filly, uh, and it's great to see Jack Sisterson doing well. He he was uh, one of the most important part of the team Doug O'Neill had on the West Coast for many years, along with Leandro Mora, and uh, he just set out on his own about this time last year. And uh, look at lo and behold, he's got a horse and a graded stake for Calumet Farm. So um, that's the the Doug O'Neill tree. We hear all about Todd Fletcher and Chad Brown and Wayne Lucas and all these, but O'Neill is another guy that that has really um, had his his people go on to do great things, and and it'll it'll be fun to see how Oxy Lady does. The twelve hole does her no favors. Uh, that's really going to be tough on her. Uh, this race, there's, when when five or six or seven can win. You're right. It could be about who gets the best trip and who gets the best ride, and um, it'll be it'll be difficult for her if she wins by a neck. We know just based on the numbers that she's probably four or five lengths best because of the amount of ground she tends to lose on on the first turn, and she will lose ground on the first turn. So um, to me, she's kind of an outsider just because of the post she's in. If she was drawn on the rail, I'd make her a major player. All right. Well, that. It's going to be Friday. It's the grade three, the fantasy that uh, could definitely have uh, Oaks implications. Uh, let's move on to the uh, uh, the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the corner, Vic Stoffer, and that is the Arkansas Derby. When we, we last spoke, we were looking at the major prep for that race, and that, of course, was the Rebel. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to l- listen to John Court earlier in the show, but I was so happy, and I, I know that I alluded to this horse when we were talking about the race, and uh, to, to see this horse really get up and, and uh, you know, punch its ticket to, to the Kentucky Derby. So, um, but he, he certainly loves uh, uh, Oaklawn. Uh, it's never been off the board. You got the Hall of Fame trainer. You got Take Charge Indy, who's uh, you know outside of tap at one of the hottest sires. Uh, but then what Long Range Toddy did, as you know, was the improbable in beating Baffert in the Rebel uh, with improbable, and now with improbable. Uh, draws the rail they put blinkers on and i know that you as a handicapper have certain things you look for one thing i look for vic is a change in equipment and then a couple bullet works because my feeling is the trainer gave a test run in the morning to see how the horse reacted well improbables come back with two bullet works uh, at Santa Anita, now returns to Hot Springs. So this is going to be interesting. I don't know if the rail is going to be an advantage or a disadvantage. I'm thinking the bl- the blinkers might put just a little more speed uh, so that Jose Ortiz can get improbable where he wants to be. Of course, Baffert saying that both you know game winner and improbable, he expected improvements off the Rebels. Well, the first thing I can tell you is that the rail will be fine. Our racetrack is the most even, fair unbiased racetrack that you'll see in the world. So wherever a particular horse is drawn, the racetrack is not going to be the reason why they don't win. Um, blinkers on improbable to me is, is very interesting because if you go back and you look at all Kentucky Derby winners, almost all of them never had one little tiny straw in their path. I mean, they never missed a work. They never had a, a day off because they had a fever for one day. They didn't have equipment changes during the process. And to me, an equipment change this late in the game is a red flag because it means that going in out of the rebel that Bob Baffert wasn't happy with what he saw. 
So what did he do? He changed riders and he changed equipment. And to me, that is not good because it, if, if he was happy just the way it's going, finishing second is all very well and good. That can happen. He was off. He hadn't run since the middle of December. And, and on paper and visually, he ran a terrific race. Didn't get the best of trips, and that was because of an awkward start. And maybe, maybe Drayden Van Dyke panicked a little bit at the first turn and used him a little earlier than he, than he might have. But to do what I call a total makeover, change riders, change equipment this late in the game, I'm not a real fan of that. And uh, so I think he's extremely vulnerable at 8-5 to five on the morning line. I love your insight, Vic Stoffer. Well, um, uh, Omaha Beach is one that uh, you know certainly is going to uh, uh, draw attention. Mike Smith back uh, did win, I believe, what was the second division of the Rebel, just getting up by a nose over game winner, who, as you know, did not come back and win the Santa Anita Derby. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought Game Winner ran really well in the Santa Anita Derby, and I'll give you a little uh, insight to uh, when he finished second to Omaha Beach. Joel Rosario rode him, and, and uh, Joel Allen and I remained very, very good friends, and he was kicking himself after the race because because of the closure at Santa Anita. Here's a guy that rides five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten horses a day, pretty much five, six days a week. And he hadn't been riding nearly as often as he would have liked. And he told me, he said, he said, game winner didn't run out of gas as much as I did. And he was really kicking himself because he felt that if he had been his normal mid-season cardiovascular self, that he would have been able to get game winner up to beat Omaha Beach. Um, and, and I thought that was very, very classy and introspective of a guy who is at the top of his game so he can say stuff like that. Game runners race in the, in the Santa Anita Derby, I thought was a step forward. Uh, even though he ran second to Rose, Roadster, it was a terrific race. Um, and Omaha Beach beat him on the square in, in the Rebel. Um, this is a horse that I hear tell is getting better and better and better each day as, as, as each day goes by. Nancy Holthus, who is our paddock analyst, remembers horses very well from the time that she saw them before. And uh, she said today on a show we do pre uh, before the races that she thinks Omaha Beach might have put on 150, 200 pounds just since the Rebel. And um, she said he wow. just is, is blossoming. And uh, so now you've got two Hall of Famers in Mandela and Smith. You've got a horse that, of all of the horses in the race, the trips are question marks. Will Improbable make the lead with a horse like Gray Attempt in the race? Because he's a sprinter. I don't think you can drag him past a mile, but he'll probably be in front. So will improbable be have to sit second when they probably would like him to make the lead. Will long range toddy be able to work out a trip? He's drawn in the 11 hole. Shouldn't matter, but he's going to have to try to save ground on both turns. The one horse of all of the 11 that you pretty much know is going to get just the perfect trip that he needs to win is Omaha beach because he's tactical enough to, if he breaks well, that Mike Smith can place him pretty much wherever he wants. He'll sit, click that motor off until Mel until Smith says go, and then give you a very big run for the final three eighths of a mile. So for trip handicappers, you'd have to look towards Omaha Beach just because, absent something completely unforeseen happening, he's the one horse that's trip proof. You kind of know that he's going to be able to get the kind of trip. He won't get beat because he got a bad trip. I would expect. And so uh, that makes him 
<laughs> that makes him a very, very dangerous person in this race. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, we're talking with Vic Stauffer, uh, uh, kind of a man of many means in horse racing, but uh, does an excellent job at calling the races. Now, Vic, how would you describe uh, your style? Some guys are, are uh, strictly, you know, their 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 mind presence is accuracy, who's where, when, you know, exactly throughout the race and trying to go through the field three times if possible. And other guys tell a story. Uh, Where do you put yourself as far as style? Well, the foundation of any race race call, you have to be clear, you have to be concise, and you have to be accurate. If you can do those things and you can do it on a consistent basis, at that point, you can branch out and become a little bit more of a storyteller. But if you can't make just a good, solid, basic race call where everybody that is watching the race knows where their horse is and knows their relative chances as to the other horses, if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be doing anything else like trying to tell a story. So without a doubt, my first and foremost job is to clearly, concisely, and accurately tell everybody that bet their hard-earned money on this race where their horse is and what relative chance they have of winning in that final three-eighths of a mile. After that, if, if things go the way uh, that, that a good story comes out, well, I'm all for it, but I don't force the story onto the race. What I do is I let that race unfold and tell me a story, and then if it strikes me enough, I'll go ahead and share it. Well, uh, for time's sake, not that we're definitely up against the hard out, but I, I did want to bring the Apple Blossom in. It's such an important race uh, on the Oaklong schedule, a grade one, $750,000. I want to tell our listeners that this race is going to be on Sunday. If you're looking for it amongst all the graded races on Saturday, you're going to have to wait a day. Um Short field, uh, but nothing but class is in here. I'm going to guess Midnight Bizu is the one with the target on her back. Well, I, I guess if you say if being the favorite is a target on your back, yeah, I, uh, I guess so. Um, she, she ran terrific in, in Yazeri. Um, frankly, at the three-eighths pole, uh, she looked to me like she might just be sputtering a little bit. And uh, as soon as I said that, she found a new gear and came up the fence and got the money. Um, she's just a wonderful racehorse. She loves this racetrack. Um, Steve Asmussen could win every stake this week. I, I mean, he could win them all. Uh, he could win the fantasy. He could darn sure win the, the Arkansas Derby. He'll have the second choice in the Count Fleet, who, by the way, is the two-time defending champ in the Count Fleet, even though I think Mentoli will go favored in that race. And he could, he could certainly win the Apple Blossom. And he's done stuff like that before here at Oakland Park. So I'll tell you what you could do. If you just, uh, I don't know which ones would get you the money, but if a person just started the weekend and bet on Asmussen in every stake all through the weekend, I guarantee you, you wouldn't lose money. I don't know where it would come from, but I guarantee you, you would not lose money making that bet. Absolutely. Well, again, I, I brought, by the way, I, I don't handicap with odds, but I figured it was the favorite. Uh, but I, I do think uh, a horse that... Uh, you don't handicap come- with odds. <laughs> No, I, I, I don't download them with the odds on, so I'm not influenced oh, by... Oh, I see what you're going to say. But you, of course, care what price they are. Well, when it comes to race day, yeah. 
but uh, I try not to let that influence the way I handicap. Uh, but uh, I've been a big fan of Elate, even though she was uh, very lightly raced last year. Uh, but uh, on her few trips to Oakland, she liked it, and she uh, really does a mile and a 16th. Uh, if Midnight Bee Zoo is the favorite, Vic Stoffer, who would be the biggest threat? Oh, without a doubt, it would be Elate. Um, Elate was coming off of a layoff last time out, and uh, if you go back and watch that race and say, in your heart of hearts, who do you think is going to win at the head of the stretch? It looked like Elate was going to win. And she may have just gotten just a tiny bit tired in that race. Um, Bill Mott is looking at her for a long campaign, probably back to the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic to try to win that. And uh, I would expect that he would tell you that he hadn't completely tightened the screws on her for the Azari. Now, she very well could turn it around on Midnight Bisou. But you're looking at if, I mean, I mean, Elaine might go favored again. She, believe it or not, even though she finished behind Bisou last time, she might go favored again. Um, but those two will dominate the wagering, and frankly, they'll probably dominate the race. Um, but uh, real fun story in that race is Escape Clause. Uh, she, she, she's owned by a guy that only has uh, a couple of horses, but she's won 20 races in her career. Never competed at this level, but he said, you know, I got to give her, as well as she's done for me, I, she deserves one chance against the big girls in a grade one. And so he put her on a 21-hour van ride that he drove the van himself and got her here a th- few days ago and uh and she'll be fun to watch I, i'm not so sure she can handle those 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 big girls but uh man oh man what what a cool story she is and and it would be really fun if she happened to jump up and win a grade one absolutely shades of mind that bird and you know what i love you know i i used to years ago before my kids decided to go to college uh breed uh horses in ohio and i love to see a one thousand dollar stud throw a mare that wins almost a half a million dollars yeah and that's something i'll tell you mind that bird story um when i had joel at the time that mind that bird was was going he was a three-year-old and um that guy chip woolley called brad pegram who at that time had mike smith and said would mike like to ride this horse and brad said no um uh, no thanks but i got a guy that might want to ride the horse for you so he put him on the phone with me, and he said, would you like to ride a horse called Mind That Bird in the Kentucky Derby? And I said, I, I talked with Joel about it, and we realized that he'd be 50 to 1, but we also realized why not get there, experience Churchill, get all of the ambiance, and and get the butterflies out. You know, if you get a piece of the purse, that's fine. If you don't, you still have that experience the next time when you come and ride a liver horse. And so we agreed to ride the horse, and I said to the guy, I said, um, where do we send, what's the address that we send the expenses for Joel flying there and as for his rental car and his motel and all that? And he said, no, 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 we're not paying any of the expenses, but we'll put you on the horse, but we're not going to pay any of the expenses. And I said, well, fine, good luck. You need a rider. And that's why he decided on Calvin Burrell. I'll tell you this. He decided on Calvin Burrell because he was the one guy he didn't have to pay any expenses to because he was riding <laughs> at Churchill. So that guy, Chip Woolley, was a goofball before the Derby, during the Derby, and since. And uh, But I'm glad the horse won for him. 
Well, we've been talking with Vic Stoffer, and this pro, uh, section of the program is usually about handicapping, but I really enjoy the side stories that, that Vic brings to us when he's on, and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll join us again down the road, but we will be locked on to Hot Springs. Two races we didn't get to mention, my producer's telling me i got to get out, is the Oaklawn Handicap. That's a grade two, race nine, and the Count Fleet Sprint Handicap, grade three, half a million on the line. Vic Stoffer, thanks a million, my friend. My pleasure. Anytime. All right. We've been talking with Vic, and I want to wish our friend John Kenton Court nothing but the best as he goes to post in the Arkansas Derby. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.